0: I enjoyed that series. I um, felt like that was pertinent information and stuff that we could use. And kind of a summer series. Every, every summer I, I kind of have a beginning and middle of summer series and then toward the middle, toward the end. It's hard to believe that I would be on the end, the end of summer uh, series. Uh, matter of fact, uh, many schools are, are starting in less than a month. Can you all believe that? And um, they're just kind of flying by. I mean, the only bad thing for me is that that means fall is upon us. And I I don't like fall. And and, and then winter is upon us. I really, really despise winter. And so um, it's the grace and the mercy of God that um, I trudge through those um, colder seasons. I I like the warmer weather. But, um, you know, um, it's hard to believe that's, that's where we're at. And and so I just pray and I, I I thought maybe with the handmade series that I I could get um that I could get more out of it and the Lord just didn't give me anything else. I prayed about it and um I just knew that it was not gonna happen and so um I wanna start a series today and this is a v I'm really excited about this series. Not that I, I I you know I wasn't excited about handmade. I wanna start a series today on, on a very uh, to me, a very powerful word, and the word is confidence. I mean, you think about uh, that word, and, and what does it mean to have confidence? And I'm really going to base this series out of an event that happened in the life of the Apostle Paul. Uh, you read about it in Acts chapter 27, but uh, before I, I read our text, I, I want to give you some background because I don't want to read the whole chapter. And so, I'll give you a little bit of background um, on this story for those of you that may not be familiar with it. Um, the apostle Paul had been arrested, um, and and they kind of more or less trumped up charges against him on the religious side, and ended up um, Paul um, appealed to his Roman citizenship. He he was a Jew, and so he was a he was a citizen of Israel, but he was also a citizen of Rome, and, and in the midst of all of that, the apostle Paul appealed his case to Caesar, and uh, that would facilitate him having to go to Rome, and uh, it, was a, it was a sad thing for the church. You know, God intended for Paul to go to Rome, it was the plan of God for Paul to go to Rome, but yet the people, especially we read about it, um, the people in Ephesus, the leaders there in the church there, uh, they were very saddened by this, that, that Paul would be going to Rome because they said, we will never see your face again. And they literally fell at Paul's feet and they, they wept because they realized that they would never see him again. That if he goes to Rome, he's never coming back and they recognized that and it, it it was it was difficult it was difficult from all matter of fact the whole story is kind of unique in regards to the fact that Paul's arrest and ultimately God's travel to Rome was all in God's plan and i mean i mean to me that doesn't seem like a very happy plan you think about serving the lord in a in a Western mindset, we would almost believe that Paul failed in his faith because he got arrested and then ultimately was sent to Rome. But yet, Paul understood that this arrest is this arrest is going to get me to Rome for free. This is God's way of getting me there. So he was in, he was able to embrace a very negative circumstance in his life. Because he recognized that there was an ultimate end that was that was better. It was God's plan. It was God's will. Matter of fact, we know that Paul in Rome actually started a church that was in the very household of Caesar. I mean, can you imagine that? That that, that would be like us uh, getting a small group in the White House. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I mean, what would that be like to say, you know, come to Triumph, and if you want to go, we have a small group um, for government officials in the west wing of the White House. That would be amazing. It would be amazing to have to realize that, that, you, that you had church activity taking place um, in, the very, in the very house of, of Caesar. And, but, yet, but yet we know it happened because when Paul wrote to the Roman church, he even made mention of the fact to greet the saints in the household of Caesar. And so we see this ultimate end. But how many recognize with me that sometimes you go through stuff? I mean, you know, you go through stuff and you think, "How can God be in this? <laughs> how can God be in this?" I mean, do what? I mean, have you ever do whated God? I, I, I have. I do do what? Excuse me, uh, this wasn't my plan. I, I don't see how this could be your plan. You know, I can remember. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but I can remember that time several years ago when. All of our all of our platform musicians were all hired by another church. They they were going to launch a new campus, and they decided to launch it with our team. And you know, and they all they all they they all were hired, and they all left. And they they you know, it was our pianist, our drummer, our keyboardist, but it was also our youth pastor and our children's pastor and our assistant. All these people. I mean, it was a pretty big hole that you know you walk in on on a day and. And they say we want to meet with you after church, and then that's the meeting. I mean, I'll never forget that day. I mean, I I, I had to exit the meeting several times. I was so upset because I was trying my best to wrap my head around that. How can we even have church without all these? How can we even have church? What am I? I I I can play a keyboard, uh, but I, I I you know I'm not that great. And and, and who am I? I? I can't be the the pastor and the youth pastor and the children's pastor. I, I, you know I just. I don't have all that. I don't have those gifts. And, and you know, you're trying to work all this too. So they were meeting and they were kind of upset because I was so upset. And then I would come out of the meeting. I remember this went on for hours. I, I just walked around this auditorium and I would get my wits back together. And I'd go back in the meeting and, and we just did this all afternoon with, with me just wrestling with this, with this idea that, that how, do we, how do we move forward? And, and I just couldn't see God in it. I mean, how can God be in this? I mean, can you imagine the Apostle Paul getting arrested? How can God be in that? I mean, can you imagine Paul being shipped off to Rome knowing that you'll never see the people you love again? Never? You will spend your life in Rome and will die in Rome. You will be martyred in Rome and you will never see the people you love ever again? That's a pretty heavy thing. Somehow or another Paul had the ability to see the plan of God that that there that there is something there is something happening on the other side of, of this bridge that we have to walk over. But sometimes when you're walking on that bridge, you feel like you're walking alone. Most Christian grandmothers had this particular plaque from Home Interior hanging in their bathrooms. at least in my neck of the woods, a little poem called Footprints in the Sand. Anybody with me on that? Footprints in the Sand. And, and it's very unique as a poem. And, and on, this particular, on this particular rendition of it that I remember so distinctly, we had it in our house. My grandmother, had, grandmother Griffin had it in her house. It crossed denominations. Everybody can relate to the story of, I don't get this, that every time I go through a negative circumstance, every time I go through trouble, I only see one pair of footprints in the sand. Why? Why do you walk with me when times are good, God, but when I get to bad times, there's only one Set of footprints, why do you forsake me in the lonely times? And the word back is, I did not forsake you when you only see one set of footprints in the sand. It is because I am carrying you. It's, it's being able to, to see the, the other side that, that, that Paul was saying, there, Yes, this is a, a difficult circumstance and you may not understand it, but if, but if you will stick with me. I mean, that's what we had to do. Uh, Walt Disney called it stick ability. You know, the ability just to hang in there, man. Just to, you know, some, some people use this metaphor to, you know, when you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot in it. Hang on. Coaching metaphor, don't quit. Winston... Churchill expansion of the coaching metaphor, never quit, never get up, up, never, 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 never give up. So it is that for us, almost a decade later, I think we're feeling pretty good up here. And I think these kids' rooms are doing pretty good today. And I think the the youth ministry is doing really good. You know what I'm saying? Doing really good. And all those areas that that day I walked this auditorium like, where are you? i have only seen one set of footprints in the sand. Excuse me. This don't make any sense. Hopefully there's something coming, something coming. Don't... Quit. Don't give up. Look on the horizon. God is with you. And it really boils down now to this. That Paul, under arrest, looks at a group of sailors and goes, East Texas vernacular, Hey guys, if we take off right now, we're going to lose everything. Those experienced sailors, the Bible says, they, they saw that the weather was fair. The experienced sailors looked around and says, Well, it would appear that the stormy season has been put on hold, and they elected among themselves to get everybody on the ship and to set sail. And while they were sailing, what Paul told them came to pass. They found themselves in a storm that would not move I'm talking about a storm that it locked in one place and just circled in that one place this driving storm that was impossible to sail in now Paul could have said I told you so and he did in so many words But in the midst of this hurricane-like storm, I want to pick the story up in verse 21 of Acts 27. After they had gone a long time without food, this storm is raging so much that that they weren't even eating. It's kind of like Gordon Lightfoot. The old cook came in and said, Fellas, it's too rough to feed you. Paul stood up before them and said, Men, here's the I told you so. You should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now, I urge you to keep your up your courage, because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul, you must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. And then he gives this uh, addendum. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. I mean, what are you saying? I mean, these, these sailors knew what that meant. We're going to run aground? You know what that means? I was watching a thing on television last week or so was about pirates. Yes, I am a pirate 200 years too late. But I was just saying there's a particular harbor that looks very... It looks very calm and it looks like it would be easy to sail in a particular harbor in the Caribbean where over 200 ships have gone down. I mean, even, even some in modern times. But, but you know, the, 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 the thing on, on the television was about looking for, actually, Captain Morgan sailed in there, the famous pirate Captain Morgan. And, and, and Captain Morgan sunk four ships in one day in that harbor. Because just off of the coast. There is a barrier reef that is deep enough that the waves do not crash over the top of it. So it's not like so many barrier reefs that are shallow where the waves crash out there before they come in here. No, this is a barrier reef that's deep enough that, that, that the waves don't crash over the top of it. But yet it is shallow enough that a ship cannot make it through it. These... These men understood that we're going to run this ship aground. You know what running aground means? It means that it's going to be lost. It's going to sink. The the boat they were on was guaranteed to sink. There are three things in these verses that I want to call your attention to. I, I think it's very important. First off, Paul said, I belong to God. I think that's a very, very important thing to know. When you're trying to build confidence. That first off, I'm God's and no one else's. I belong to God. That's another week of the series. Another thing he said is that I serve God. I think there is an important thing in our lives to know that, that we serve God. And when we serve God, we can have confidence in the fact that the God we serve is always on our side. That's another week. Today I want to draw from the 25th verse. I know it's toward the end, but but to me it's the foundation of everything. And it is this fact that Paul said, I can stand in confidence today because I have faith in God. I have faith in God. See, here's the the deal about, about this thing called faith. Faith can go any direction. You can put your faith in anything. Paul could have had faith in the storm. I know a time or two in my life, I've had more faith in the storm of my life than I did in anything else. Oh, I was supposed to be believing God to take care of me, but I was filled with anxiety because my faith had shifted. You know, I mean, it's like the other night at 1.30 in the morning, I was awakened by something. We've lived in our house almost 15 years, and something was happening at 1.30 in the morning, that I have never heard before. And we've been through a lot of storms in that house, but something was happening that I had never heard before, and it was this. The window seals were whistling. I mean, when the window seals are whistling, you know the wind's blowing. Man, it startled me awake. I heard this. Whoosh! I heard that, and I... I mean, man, there is a wind blowing out there that is stronger than anything I have ever experienced in this house. And I jumped up out of bed, and I did what every good oaky does. I ran to the window. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, I mean, tornado sirens go off, and what do we do in Oklahoma? We pull out our lawn chairs and go out to the driveway. Look at that wall cloud. Whoops, she's a beauty. You know, Scott Lloyd, our friend, pastored for years in Jonesboro, Arkansas. He just recently got a position at Oklahoma Baptist University in Shawnee, and we, we went out to eat with them a few weeks ago. They came and visited our church. We went out to eat with them, and we were sitting there, and his wife, Candy, was sitting there. She said, you know, the only thing that scares me to death about Oklahoma is this tornado thing, especially that area because, you know, Oklahoma City, Moore, uh, Shawnee, I mean, they've kind of like been real popular with tornadoes recently. You know, Man, I'm scared I, I said, I'm scared to death. I pray I'm gonna live in fear. I said, no, you won't live in fear. You will acclimate pretty quickly. In two years, tornado sirens will go off. You'll grab a lawn chair and go out on the driveway. Because I mean that's just why we do, you know. I mean, I'm standing at the window in Boston, joined me. He'd been in the, he's in this, this phase right now in summer where he's standing up playing Xbox. You know what I'm saying? And, and so Boston comes running in there, and he's like, What do you think about it? I said, I don't know. Let's look out the window. My parenting skills are above measure. At <laughs> the window. And finally, we're at this window and I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I don't really know if this is the best window for us to be at, because there's a tree out there. Let's move to this window. <laughs> Ray- Raylene she was raised here, so she just wakes up and goes, Are we okay? We're like, I think it's gonna be alright, but the pool furniture's going all over the place. She said, All right, she goes back to sleep. She don't care. I thought to myself, you know, when you get into a storm like that, it's very easy to start believing that storm has all power. It's easy to start believing that that storm is in control. Paul steps out with confidence on on this boat, and he says, listen, listen, this storm doesn't dictate our future. I mean, we're going to get spanked a little bit, for not heeding the word of God before, we should have never sailed. But let me tell you something about it. The God whom I belong to and whom I serve is the God that I have faith in. I don't have faith in this storm. My faith isn't in this storm. My faith is in the God who I believe in, and I'm absolutely convinced that He can bring us through this thing. Absolutely convinced. I have confidence that he's going to see us through, that nobody, nobody's going to lose their life. In fact, the Bible says that when the ship broke apart, that some of them swam to shore and others of them floated to shore on debris. I guess they couldn't swim. But when they took a head count, every last member on that ship survived. And this is the confidence that God wants to place in our heart. matter of fact, Jesus said this in Mark eleven twenty two, and it's very powerful. Have faith in God. Jesus answered, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Verse 22 says it all. It's a statement that could come across as a command. Jesus said, Have faith in God. Have faith in God, even when the storm's raging. I mean, I love that verse that says, Everything works together for the good of them that love the Lord. Everything works together. It didn't say the good things, it didn't say, Well, only the good things. It didn't say, Well, The bad things, no, it said everything, no matter what you face, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what storms you have to pass through, the word of God declares a promise over you that everything works for your good. That even the word of God would scream Jeremiah 29 and 11 at it, God has a good plan for you. That his plan is not to harm you. God isn't interested in harming you. He is interested in bringing you to your ultimate destiny. God is interested in your effectiveness for his kingdom. He is interested in you being everything he created you to be. And sometimes we go through storms. The word of God is replete. With these examples of faith in God, stand in faith. Don't stop believing. Continue. Matter of fact, we can say that the Bible is the book of God. You can also say that the Bible is the book of faith. Over and over again, there are instances where God proves to people that he can be trusted that the single set of footprints in the sand isn't because you're walking along alone. It's because you, you are being carried by Him. Therefore, you have to maintain your faith in Him. Otherwise, your confidence will wane. Listen, if your faith shifts to anything else, your confidence will wane. It's perfectly illustrated in the story of Peter walking on the water. The disciples were in a boat and they were fighting the wind when Jesus came by walking on the water. Many of you probably remember that story, but, but, but just a little bit of background. I think it's important for us to realize that first and foremost, Jesus told them to get in the boat. matter of fact, some translation says he made them get in the boat. And then he told them, "I will meet you on the other side." He gave them a promise that you're gonna you're gonna get there. And then he just sort of pushes them off. There they go. And in the middle of that, they get into this storm of wind on a lake that is very that's very common to happen. If if you've ever been to Israel, the the uh, the Golan Heights are here. And toward the the east and, and the mountains that go up into Syria are here in this very mountainous region right here, and that wind develops these storms develop in, up in these mountains, and they come across and they hit these Golan heights, which are just sheer cliff faces that drop thousands of feet down into into the water and uh, and it just creates this wind tunnel that just blasts its way down on on the Lake of Gennesaret, or what other Bible translations say, the Sea of Galilee. And this is where they were. This violent windstorm came up, and, and they, were, they were rowing hard and not making any progress and had become fearful. Seamen, but they had become fearful. The Bible says that Jesus... Saw them struggling out there. He was up on the hillside. You could see over the entire lake. He saw them struggling out there in this storm, and the Bible says that, that, he, that he went out there and walk, was walking on the water. Now, the Bible said he would have passed by, but if they hadn't have noticed it, he was just checking on them. But we picked that story up in Matthew 14, verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost! They said and cried out in fear. I mean, they started this journey, journey in a boat full of faith, and now they have a boat full of fear. Have you ever been there before? And you start out thinking, man, God can do anything, and then you get in the middle of it and you say, oh my God, have mercy. And they went, they were riding this roller coaster of faith and fear, and, 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 and now they were just. They were just overshadowed by it, and Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Before anybody else could say anything, Peter pops up, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. Now suddenly, he's back in the faith realm, okay? His faith was in Jesus when he got in the boat, then his faith was in the storm, and then his faith shifted to a ghost. And now it shifted back to Jesus. And the Bible says he walked on the water and came toward Jesus. And then we get the fun word, but. I mean, sometimes you just got to get the butts out of the way. You know what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes it's a, it's a terrible, a, a terrible. Word, I mean, it's a. in this story, this is a really big but. You know what I'm saying? It's just... All of your minds are somewhere where they shouldn't be. In a few moments, we're going to open the front. You can come pray a prayer of repentance and confession. How many times in the Word of God do you see something powerful happening and then you come to the word but... Like the people were victorious, but the people were going to enter the promised land, but someone was going to believe, but this is one of those moments where, but gets in the way. But when he saw the wind, When he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Right out there with a miracle under his feet, his faith took a shift. And suddenly he was believing again in the storm. I think this is an important thing to note. But yet he was close enough to Jesus to touch him. Can I say this to somebody today? Jesus is never so far off from anybody. From anybody. You know, I mean, I just don't subscribe to the theology that God is watching you from a distance. You know, it made a good song, but it is completely unscriptural. Because God's not watching any of us from a distance. He was close enough to Jesus to touch him, but did not avail himself of that when he began to sink. And the Bible says, check this out, immediately Jesus reached out his hand. And caught him. I mean Jesus wasn't through with Peter. So he wasn't going to let him drown. Today I, I want us to understand. That our. Oh yeah by the way. They got back to the boat. but Our faith makes all the difference in the world. What are you putting your faith in? Has your faith shifted somewhere? Are are you having more faith in the diagnosis than than the promise of God's word for you in health? Or are you having more faith today in the the negative words that were spoken over you by somebody who you love very deeply, and they should never said that? But you're believing them. You're, You're believing that you're no good. You're you're believing that you're stupid. You're believing that you'll never amount to anything? Is that the storm? that you? Is that where your faith is? But you know, pastor, I mean, they spoke that to me. And I've struggled with that for 35 years. I Man, I think it's time for, for us to notice that Jesus is real close. If We could just shift our faith back to him. Reach out and touch him. Him. We we used to sing that. Reach out and touch the Lord as He passes by. You will find He's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He is passing by this moment, so close. At one point in the story of the Apostle Paul, they put their trust in lifeboats. Paul came out and told them, if you guys get in those lifeboats, you're dead. You've got to stay on this ship. The promise that I receive from the Lord is that everyone that stays on this ship survives. If you get in those lifeboats, you're taking matters into your own hands. You're putting your faith in a lifeboat. How many have you been on a cruise? Anybody ever been on a cruise? Anybody in the room wave your hand at me? Don't y'all love the first thing they do when you get out of port is line you up? Would everybody please report to their lifeboat station? You're looking on your thing, you say, lifeboat station for us is 763. And then they, first thing, this is a great vacation, great way to start a vacation. They line you up at the lifeboat and they say, now look, if our ship starts sinking, you need to get on this. Um, Paul said, if you take those lifeboats, you're dead know what the Bible says they did? They believed him. He had so much confidence in his faith in God that he just exuded confidence out to them. It just transmitted to them. And the Bible says they cut them lifeboats loose. Let's cut them loose. Got confidence in yourself? Well, I'll just do it. Well, that's, yeah... Reality is, we need God. That's what gets me so aggravated about church environments that have created an atmosphere where people who are a little messed up don't feel like they can come to church until they get themselves fixed because they're going to be judged by people. Shame on that. I mean, when I read the stories of Jesus, he even said, All you that think you got it together, I didn't come for you, I came for the sick. Well, people don't need a physician. Bring me the broken. Jesus was never afraid to have broken people in his congregation. People say, well, you know what, pastor? I got a few things I need to resolve. As soon as I get them resolved, I'll come to church. I'm like, well, I'll probably be dead. Because you're never going to resolve it without God. And a great resource of you solving a lot of those things is body ministry that is found in the church. Literally. I mean, you read the Word of God and you'll discover that most of the gifts that bring healing in people's lives are transferred from person to person. I thank God for the body of Christ. I thank God for the church. There's this pulsating beat in my heart today for somebody in this house to... Take notice of where your faith might be and allow the Holy Spirit to help you shift your faith back in God that you can stand in confidence and say, you know what? It doesn't matter. Let the wind blow. I have faith in God. Let the ship sink. I have faith in God. Let let everyone forsake me. I still have faith in God. And that is our confidence. Would you stand with me? It's about positioning our faith. I want you to pray with me. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you right now for your word. I thank you for your blessing in our lives that is above measure. I am praying today that something I have said would speak deeply into the heart of an individual who may be struggling. Those who may be questioning, I pray in Jesus' name that your word would bring an uplift to them. By your presence and by your power, we make that declaration in Jesus' name. As our prayer partners are coming forward, I want to give you an opportunity in just a moment, if you need prayer, to come forward for prayer. But before we do that, practical advice. In order to build your confidence in faith, the first thing you need to do is you need to start praying. You need to learn how to pray not hard. You don't have to use flowery words or some religious theme. Just say, hey God, it's me. And I got issues. The second thing is get in the Word. For me, it's very helpful to build my faith up to read scriptures that pertain to maybe what I'm facing. And read those scriptures and ingest those scriptures and even quote those scriptures. Another thing that I think is extremely important is surround yourself with people of faith. The worst thing we can do when we're struggling is to hang out with struggling people only. I'm not saying cut everybody off I'm saying if that's your only source I mean if everybody in your group is depressed and you want to overcome depression find some non depressed people does that make sense I mean I'm I'm just saying find some people that got a little bit of energy going you know what I'm saying well praise God because there's something about the body of Christ rubbing shoulders with each other I mean there are certain people I get with my life just better the, this week in the cohort, one of the days of the cohort, we had the opportunity to go spend the entire day with Pastor Tom Harrison, who pastors Asbury United Methodist Church. We spent the entire day with that. And he I don't know, a guy that pastors a church that big, and, and he just slotted his entire day, and about five of us sat in a room with him all day. All day. And to hear what he was saying, and to, he opened his heart to us, talked about struggles that, that they're facing, and and, and, man, at the end of that day, I just felt like I had been, like, on a vacation or something. And I, I shook Pastor Tom Harrison's hand. You know, I felt like, I'll tell you what, have you all ever heard those things he does on the radio, those perspective things on the radio? This is perspective by Pastor Tom Harrison. It's like we got a whole day of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, here's a perspective, and here's another one, and here's another one, and here's another perspective. And it's just like, woo-wee, things look better. You know what I did? I thought about it, what I say here at our church. I shook his hand, Pastor JP. And when I shook his hand, I said, you may not understand about what I'm about to say, but my life is better because I spent a day with you at your church. My life is better. And he looked at me, he was so humble. He was like, oh, I don't know if anybody's ever said anything like that to me. I'm like, I'm just being honest with you, bro. My life is better because I was here with you today. Yeah. It's just getting with people who may have some scars and been some bumps, and they just kind of run and say, it's going to be okay. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be all right. Find somebody that has more faith than you do and hang out with them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> find somebody that has more faith than you do and hang out with them. Find somebody that ain't, you know, like, you know, I mean, if, if all you're doing is cursing the ground, find somebody that's blessing it. You know what I'm saying? Find someone that's blessing the ground. Jesus' name. Our prayer partners are coming. If you need prayer, come forward. We are anxious to pray with you. If you need to give your heart to the Lord today, please come forward and allow one of these prayer partners to pray with you. If, you, if you're a fool and you say, Pastor, I got everything I need, man. Thank you for the day. Then I say a great big God bless you. This is going to be the best week you ever live, so believe me for it. In Jesus' name. God bless you. I love you. Go in the love and the peace of the Lord.